Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll dig into Crow as a totem, a teacher, and a remedy for the imbalances of life. Crows, like corn, owe much of their current existence to human beings. They flourish as we flourish, providing us goods and services in return for our constantly creating new environments to explore. Being scavengers, they exist to clean up messes, to transform what is no longer necessary into useful raw materials, spreading those raw materials beyond their origin and thereby furthering the life cycles of living things and the fertility of the ecosystem. Crows are a means for us to determine the health and well-being within the web of life, through their numbers and where they congregate. They are everywhere, because death, a natural function of embodiment, leaves behind material, which needs to be broken down for use by others and to prevent disease. However, if there's an overabundance of death, or if there are large amounts of waste to be converted, crows will be drawn in numbers. We humans have an instinctive aversion to gatherings or murders of crows, and yet we are drawn to them in the same way we are drawn to accidents and tragedies as they unfold. We know something is not right, is out of balance, that a path to the mystery and in-between space is opening and we both desire and dread to know what and why. Crows are intelligent, using tools to acquire food such as dropping rocks on nuts in order to crack them and creating games for the sheer joy of living in the moment. They are problem solvers who see into the suchness of things which can be unnerving for the unaware. Crows not only remember things, they share their memories and experiences with their own flock and also with other more distantly related groups as well as successive generations, teaching each fledgling what they need to know about the world. Hence, crows will associate people who help them with nurturing and bring their young to visit, while they will also remember those who have done them harm for years, dive-bombing them and chasing them away long after we humans will have forgotten a seemingly insignificant incident. Crows awaken at the transformation of night into morning, waking up the world, dispersing the shadows. They come together in the gloaming to gather in the happenings of the day and tuck them safe away so the reversal of light and shadow can hold its sway. Over the centuries, humans have misunderstood the nature of crows, associating them with evil and those who wish to promote evil. We've assigned them the role of familiars for evil witches, obligatory Halloween decorations, and props for any over-the-top evil sorcerer or just plain old villain who needs to be dramatic. In reality, it's we who perpetrate evil acts on ourselves as well as all around us. Crows come to clean up the mess we leave behind. Hence, people with crow energy or crow as a totem tend to take on fixer-upper projects, They have cars which need just a little TLC, houses which they refurbish only to sell them and pick up a new project, 
and a whole bag full of friends who depend on them for a little of this and a little of that. Crows, like all other scavengers, are drawn to carrion, and so are attracted to places where corpses are rotting, which has prompted humans throughout the centuries to bury or burn their dead, and to leave their enemies exposed. For an in-depth look at the deep moral questions concerning this, I recommend reading Antigone by Sophocles. Crows are not inherently evil, but as we are by our embodied nature wired for survival, we are preconditioned to fear death and the unknown, and see those who live comfortably with both as unsavory. Hence crows are often associated with those who transform things for wicked purposes. They are also the stuff of All Hallows' Eve, the time of death, decay, and ghostly visitation. As they stand at the door between here and there, they are completely comfortable with Sam Hain and the time of year when the veil between the worlds is thinnest. They are also prevalent in horror movies, such as The Birds, which draws on some of our most primitive fears. People don't often think about crows, other than as a nuisance. We experience them as loud, messy, so very much everywhere, and only really memorable when the obligatory Facebook meme pops up into our feed. You know, what do you call two crows? Attempted murder. For a better understanding of crows in an urban setting, I recommend the book Crow Planet by Leonda Lynn Hopped. Crows also aren't the go-to image when we think about transformation. That would be caterpillars followed by dragonflies and or snakes. Yet crows are more closely connected to human transformation than any other animal. Crow is the keeper of the door through which each soul moves from embodiment back to spirit. For the majority of people, this transition is uncomplicated and fluid, needing no intervention, as the soul transforms from embodied existence into coherent akasha, the stuff of souls. However, some people fear death, clinging tenaciously to life against the promptings of their higher self, or simply refuse to leave for a variety of reasons, including pure stubborn contrariness. These events summon Crow to bring its wisdom. Crow is the keeper of the Book of Spirit, in which there is only one sentence, trust in Creator. As Jamie Sams puts it, all sacred texts are under the protection of Crow. Creator's Book of Laws, or Book of Seals, is bound in crow feathers. Crow feathers tell of spirit made flesh. Crow is also the protector of the Ogala, or ancient records. Its wisdom is demonstrated not through words, through beautiful plumage or artful dances, but by being present. When someone is struggling to cross over, crows will gather. First one, then another, then another, flocking together in support as witness to the beauty of the soul and as a message, it's time. It's not uncommon to see a large murder of crows quietly visiting a home or property where someone is undergoing hospice or are struggling with the crossing over process. Some people are uncomfortable with this, as the crows will usually be unnaturally quiet and gentle, burbling rather than calling, keeping their movements to a minimum. 
showing the utmost respect for the process and the person. Our nature as herd or prey animals senses this waiting and translates it into predatory behavior. We sense the death in it and feel fear, which is another reason why crows are thought of in the negative, as the harbingers of death and as symbols of the horrors of war. Yet crow is one of the more common totems for people who are called to be healers. Many people who work in hospice carry crow medicine, especially those who tend to sit with the dying at the moment they leave. Crow people are able to hold the door open, feeling a gentleness, almost a radiance, and knowing when it's time for someone to leave and how best to help. Crow people have wicked senses of humor and can have an almost trickster quality to their intelligence when it comes to others and their stuck spots. People with crow as totem don't show up in our lives to give long lectures, wise counsel, or in-depth instructions. Instead, they encourage us to do exactly what we've been avoiding, to look up when we've held our heads down, and to recognize the linear path of logic is simply a means to avoid the magic waiting inside us. People with crow medicine have the uncanny knack of saying just the right thing to unlock what's been stuck on us, to hit the sore spot so we can't help but acknowledge what needs to be dealt with, and to see the bit of treasure hidden in all the muck. Charles DeLint captures the essence of crow as totem in his description of his characters, the Crow Girls. Maida and Zia are forever friends. Crow girls with spiky blue-black hair and eyes so dark it's easy to lose your way in them. A little raggedy and never quiet, you can't miss this pair. Small and wild and easy in their skins, living on Zen time. Sometimes they forget their crows, left their feathers behind in the long ago, and sometimes they forget their girls, but they never forget their friends. People stop and stare at them wherever they go, borrowing a taste of them, drawn by they don't know what. They just have to look, try to get close, but keeping their distance, too, because there's something scary, craving about seeing animal spirits so pure walking around on a city street. It's a shock, like plunging into cold water at dawn, waking up from the comfortable familiarity of warm dreams to find if only for a moment, that everything's changed. And then, just before the way you know the world to be comes rolling back in on you, maybe you hear giddy laughter, or the slow flap of crow's wings. Maybe you see a couple of dark-haired girls sitting together in the corner of a cafe, heads bent together, pretending you can't see them. Or could be they're perched on a tree branch, looking down at you looking up, working hard at putting on serious faces, but they can't stop smiling. It's like that rhyme, two for mirth. They can't stop smiling and neither can you, but you've got to watch out for crow girls. Sometimes they wake a yearning you'll be hard-pressed to put back to sleep. Sometimes only a glimpse of them can start up a familiar ache deep in your chest, an ache you can't name, but you've felt it before, early mornings lying alone in your bed, trying to hold on to the fading tatters of a perfect dream. Sometimes they blow bright the coals of a longing that can't ever be eased. Crow medicine 
is not in teaching us how to transform, but instead in pointing out to us when transformation needs to happen, is already happening, or has happened, and the aftermath needs tending to. Crow is attracted to shiny objects, seeming to value trash as much as treasure in collecting small things to decorate its nest. However, this ability to sort through things, picking through what is no longer necessary, what's possible, the left behind and left over, to find items which are unique, nourishing, delightful to the eye as well as the soul, relevant and necessary for our life now is a skill we struggle with when ending a relationship or moving from one home to another, one phase of our life to another. Crow is not a symbol of transcendence, trying to get us to look to a higher plane of existence or to some reward in the hereafter. The medicine of crow challenges us to be fully present here, to let go of the trappings of what should be, could have been, or is expected, and choose what is possible in order to find out what happens next. In each of us is this deep spiritual magic wrapped in the most beautiful black-blue-purple feathers waiting to be birthed into the world. We know it, and yet we hesitate, as this magic doesn't just create, it transforms. Once we open to it, we will never be able to unsee the truth of things, of people, of the world. We'll never again be able to settle comfortably into an unseeing, unknowing life. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be discussing how relationships help us create and walk our paths, sometimes as the fertile soil which nurtures us, and other times as the chisel which removes the extraneous pieces to expose our radiant truth. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.